I wrote 10,000 songs I wrote 10,000 crappy songs Yeah, I wrote 10,000 crappy songs But now I'm a detective Thousand Crappy Songs, Episode 4 14 We went outside. We stood just past the door. Hal Shu faced me. Okay, he said. Let's hear it. I took my pick out of my pocket, hit the first G chord. I played the short intro. Then I sang. No matter how far I roamed, no matter how tough things got, no matter what the gods wrought, in my heart was my home. I was still, still your man all the while. I wrote 10,000 crappy songs. That's a lot of songs. And I performed them all, one time or another. After a while, you develop a sense. You get to know how it's going over. But Hal Shu was impassive. With Hal Shu, it was impossible to know. His expression changed, not even slightly. I had to look at Hal Shu. Some singers close their eyes. That was never my thing. So I sang, and we looked each other in the eyes. A little creepy, but that's how it was. I rolled into the second verse. And now in this new day, I want you to know that wherever I go, that wherever I stray, I will still be your man for all time. And I hit the call. For all time when I close my eyes, it's your face that I see. For all time, I'll walk with you. It's you holding me. A love like this love, we should water and grow and know this. I wasn't sure, but I thought that something began to shift in Hal Shoe. Maybe he relaxed. He might have even swayed. Just a little bit. I hit the bridge hard. From the fisherman's skiffs, by the white Dover cliffs, I can still feel your lips that I bent down to kiss. Whatever else you thought of my song, I was now in the home stroke. Like a freight train, I roared out of the bridge and lifted right into the third and final verse. We'll continue to change. We'll continue to learn. The twists and the turns that life throws our way. I will still be your man for all time. And for the final chorus, I put my head back and crooned. I will still be your man for all time. I strummed the last G chord, let it ring. I looked at Hal Shu. Hal Shu returned my gaze. He said nothing for a full 15 seconds. Then he put out his hand. Good song, he said. He seemed truly surprised. 
not crappy. I slid my pick in my pocket and shook his hand. I'll try it out at the paper doll Monday night, he said. Maybe we can get together before then. You teach me song. Great, I said. I'd be honored. He pulled out a notepad and scribbled his number. Here, he said. Call me. I will, I said. Very good song, he said. Not crappy at all. I couldn't wait to tell Una about my meeting with her father, that Hal Shu liked our song, that I would teach it to him, and see what else I could find out. I called her on the way to my office. Usually, she picked up. This time, it was her machine. Hi, it's Una. Leave a message. Hi, I said. Got some news. Call me. Up in my office, nothing much was happening. There was a message from a woman wondering if I could follow her kid to school, report whether he was dawdling. It wasn't the kind of thing I wanted to be doing. Nobody wants to spy on a little kid. But the money hadn't exactly been pouring in lately. The Hal shoe case was compelling, but certainly wasn't bringing in the bucks. So if I had to rat out a little kid to keep the lights on, then that's what I'd have to do. I called the woman back. The position had already been filled. Some other detective would be spying on the kid. Tough racket. I called Una again. No answer. I tried Hal Shu. Maybe we could set up a time to teach him the song. No luck there either. This is Shu, the recording said. You know what to do. Maybe Hal Shu was taking Una roller skating. Maybe they were riding paddle boats at the Echo Park Lagoon or were drinking milkshakes at Clifton's downtown. Detective work was frustrating. You were always waiting for somebody. In my songwriting days, when things got slow, at least I could write a song. What was I supposed to do now? Tail someone just for the fun of it? I waited 15 minutes and called Una again. I got the recording again and hung up. The next day I left a few more messages for Una. I left some for Hal Shu as well. I went from, this is weird, to actually worrying about them. Didn't have any other pressing work. Suppose I could have worked on the Gelatalia case, but I'd been surveilling for four months and there was no sign that the guy was ever going to steal a car, or anything else for that matter. Maybe he had just gone off of stealing. It happens. Maybe. I needed to take a break, calm down. I found myself driving over to the bowl. I paid for my shoes and found a ball and started bowling on lane three. I was bowling well. My shoulder felt okay and wasn't thinking about bowling. I bowled two games, three games, five games. I just kept bowling. I was picking up the spares I should and a few I shouldn't. It felt like my arm was 30 feet long and I could reach all the way down the alley. Like I could nearly touch the pins. I was getting strikes, mostly Brooklyn side. I was consistently in the 160s. I had a few in the 180s and 190s and I broke 200 twice. My worst was 146. After I'd been bowling for a while and was pretty tired, I bowled 17 games in all. My high was 212. I paid for my games. 
The waiter from the cafe saw me and strolled over. You see Hal? He said. Not today, I said. He was in for lunch, he said. He looked bad. Even for him. Yeah, I said. You should talk to him, he said. I've been trying, I said. I went out to my car and started driving. I called Una Shoe and got her answering machine again. Maybe half the time I was leaving messages. Call me, I said. I called Hal Shoe. I was going to leave him another message, too. Yeah? He answered. Hal Shoe, I said. Oh, it's you, he said. I... I wondered if you want to set up a time to learn the song, I said. Uh, well, he said. I can't right now. I, I can't think about it right now. I'm not going to sing Monday. Mr. Shoe? Yeah, he said. Is everything all right? I... It's very... He took a breath. My daughter has disappeared, he blurted. Una's disappeared, I said. There's a thick pause. You know Una? Oops. How, said Hal Shu, do you know my daughter? Now that Una had disappeared, things were getting scary. We better meet, I said to Hal Shu. 17. The next morning, Hal Shu came to my office. I dispensed with a high-pitched British voice. He rang, and I buzzed him in. He looked terrible, even for him, as the waiter at the bowl had said. Probably he hadn't slept in a while. Hal Shu looked around. Where do I sit? I should have had a real chair for Hal Shu. I pointed to the beanbag chair. He looked at it and frowned. Then he pointed at it. You sit there, he said. I'll sit in your chair. It was against policy, but I didn't want to argue with Hal Shu. I got up and stepped aside. He sat heavily in my chair. Then I nestled into the beanbag chair with as much dignity as possible. Any news? I said. Anything new with your daughter? He shook his head. He closed his eyes. We sat there a little while. He opened his eyes and looked at the ceiling. So, he said, you know Una? I do. How long for? I cleared my throat. A couple of weeks. And how do you know her? She hired me. To do what? To tell you. I'm a detective. He was still looking at the ceiling. I wished he was in the beanbag chair and I was at my desk. But, he said, slowly lowering his eyes to mine, you are not a detective. You are a songwriter. A writer of crappy songs. Well, I said, except for one, right? He nodded generously. Except for one. That's a good song. I used to be a songwriter, I said. I'm a detective now. This is my detective office. Una saw an ad in the Yellow Pages and came up. She hired me. To spy on me, said Hal Shu. Why? 
she thought she thinks that you have another wife and other kids. He was back to looking at the ceiling. Probably the faraway distant look that had led Una to want to have him tailed in the first place. Mr. Shu, he looked at me. Do you? He smiled a little. Young girls, he said. So simple. Such sweet little imaginations. Do you have another family, Mr. Shu? He dismissed my question like it was a fly. No, no, he said. Nothing like that. Look, he said, suddenly peering deeply into my eyes. Can I trust you? Of course, I said simply. I'm a detective. I do have a secret. Nothing like Una's fantasy. Nothing that glamorous. But I'm terribly afraid that something bad has happened to Una. And that, indirectly, I'm to blame. I, I can't go to the police, but you're a detective. Let me hire you. What do you think has happened to Una? I fear she's been kidnapped, either to frighten me or as an act of revenge. Revenge? For what? I'm involved in a large project, like the things I used to do, but even more extravagant and more dangerous. Halshu drummed his fingers on my desk. I was sinking ever lower in the beanbag chair, as if it was pulling me into the ground. Had I needed to get up quickly, it would have been impossible. Shall I go on? said Halshu. Please, I said, tell me about the project. It involves putting into space an enormous balloon, said Halshu, dedicated to my wife and daughter. Not some imaginary wife and child, but the real ones, my wife and Una. Wow, amazing. He sort of smiled. Thank you. But why would this make anyone want to harm Una? You see, I've had to negotiate with the Chinese government to use their airspace. There are factions within China who are dead set against it, and if our government knew that I was negotiating with a foreign government, particularly the Chinese, is it possible the U.S. government knows about it? I hope not. If they do, maybe they're the ones who've snatched Una. I shifted on the beanbag chair. The only way to really sit on it was to basically lie down. Hardly the position you wanted to be in during such a negotiation. Okay, Mr. Shu, I said, what would you like me to do? Find Una, he cried, and try not to get anyone killed, including yourself. Not to be indelicate, I said, but there is the matter of my fee. Money, said Hal Shu. I don't have any money. Even Una paid me 50 bucks, I said. Hal Shu stood. He took out his wallet, opened it, and grabbed whatever it is in there. He laid down a 20 and a 10 and a couple ones on the desk. There, he said. It's all I have. I got up from the beanbag chair. I was stiff and a little sore. Why did I make my client sit on that thing? He brushed past me. Before closing the door, he looked back at me. Find Una, he said. <laughs> Thank you.
10,000 Crappy Songs is brought to you by Pencil Sharpeners. Pencil Sharpeners, we get your point. This episode written and voiced by Dan Byrne. Produced by Dan Byrne and Will Massasak. Songs by Dan Byrne. The show's theme music and score written by Will Massasak and Dan Byrne. If you like the show, there's no mystery as to what to do. Just visit us at danburn.com, look for the PayPal button, and donate. Thanks. Tune in next time for another edition of 10,000 Crappy Songs. Yeah.